Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world and thus making the world a better place for horses. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. I was born on Wiradjuri country and this podcast is brought to you from Turrbal and Yagara country. I'd like to recognise the first Australian's custodianship of this country for tens of thousands of years and their connection to land, water, community and our sacred animals. I am grateful to elders past, present and emerging. I have great pride to live on country where the oldest known human beings tended to this land. To the conscious horse people who came before me to lead the way. To those who stand beside me in our community now. And for those who will continue after we are long gone. I'd like to say thank you for being a part of the global change we are making to the welfare and training of horses. If you'd like to support the podcast and all the work that Lauren and I do, then you can. Just head on over to patreon.com slash come along for the ride podcast and sign up from as little as a cup of coffee a month you can help me keep this podcast going there are many tiers that you can choose from and if everyone who listens gave only five dollars a month it would make a massive positive difference to me there is a tier in there for small business subscription just like the one peter pap took up from peter and the herd this is the one where your business gets a mention each podcast episode Peter works with equine behaviour and trauma recovery, equine communication and human and horse relationship building. Peter has had communication with my mare Gypsy who was the mare with me in the podcast picture and he was spot on about everything in there and he helped me a lot so I can highly recommend his work personally. Peter has also helped some of the listeners of this podcast, all of those who speak very highly of his work. You can contact Peter by looking him up on Facebook under Peter and the Herd or you can go to the show notes and follow the links there. We've made it to episode 100. Can you believe it? I decided to do something a little different this episode and play you an interview that was done with me by Tista and Charlotte from the Heart Horse podcast and the Heart Horse box over in America. I really enjoyed my time chatting with these amazing women about the why behind this podcast and my business, Eden River Equestrian. So for this one, you can sit back and relax and get to know me a little bit better. I really hope you enjoy it and we'll be back to normal interviews next episode. Welcome horse lovers, you're listening to the Heart Horse Podcast. Coming to you from the Heart Horse headquarters in Los Angeles, California with your hosts, Charlotte and Tista. Today we have a very special guest, Tracy Malone of the Come Along for the Ride podcast and Eden River Equestrian. Welcome, Tracy. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be here. Oh, it's just we, Charlotte and I have been big fans of your podcast for a long time. So it's such a treat to actually interview you. We admire you so much as an interviewer and as a force in the horse world. Can you tell our listeners uh, just a little bit about yourself and what you do with your podcast and Eden River Equestrian? Absolutely. So it all began um, uh, quite a while ago, but I have a podcast because I literally wanted to show the world how amazing horses are. I used to do um, equine assisted counselling and I would watch horses just give to humans again and again and again for no reason the humans hadn't given anything back to them they would just come in they would unravel and the horses would just help them shift into this extraordinary space and i could do with horses um what would take me four or five sessions to do without the horses like to get a person to the place um, where they really needed to shift in their body takes time and the horses allowed it to happen so fast and I just stood back one day and said I'm I'm going to tell the world how amazing you are somehow I will find a way to show everyone how incredible you are and it was years later that um, that podcasting came out and so I decided to start a podcast called come along for the ride and it's based on why is it that when I went to the paddock to get my horse for this equine therapy, I didn't have to put a halter on him. I didn't have to do anything other than say, hey, we've got a session now. And I would open the gate and he knew where the round yard was that we worked in and he would just run with me and we'd race together up to the round yard and we'd start a session. And why did other people's horses 
run away when they walked into the paddock with a halter. Mm. And I was no great horseman, I, a horse person. I wasn't a trainer. I wasn't anything like that. I just really believed that you could have a two-way conversation. And I really wanted to dive into that deeper because I didn't understand what I was doing. And I looked at other people and I'm like, well, why is your horse standing there asking you for training every day? And why is that horse running away? Mm. And I just wanted to dive into that more. And so I did. And it's been an extraordinary journey and still is. It's, it never ceases to amaze me every day, the people I speak to and the things that I learn. And I don't think I'll ever stop learning after 80-something interviews. Oh, gosh, yeah, I totally agree. There's just endless learning to be done when it comes to horses and one of the big reasons we love them, you know? Yeah, that's such a beautiful um, source of inspiration for the work you do. Do you feel like now, um, in retrospect, what do you think you were doing differently that had your horse excited to go and others not? I simply conversed with him. I, I asked him if he wanted to be a therapy horse. And when I say I asked him, I'm, I'm in no way an animal communicator that, like in the traditional sense, um, I literally just stood in front of him and looked at him and, and faced him. Um, so we're face to face and we're about two metres apart. And I simply said to him, would you like to be a therapy horse with me? And he had a choice to walk away or walk towards me. And he drew towards me and walked towards me. And uh, it was just a very clear yes each time I asked. And I think that was the difference from the very beginning is I didn't say to him, you are going to be this. I, I simply asked him a question and that question came every day. I was like, we've got a client, are you coming? And he would say, absolutely, let's do this. Wow. That's wow. so beautiful. Yeah. How did you start with horses? Do you feel like your childhood growing up with horses kind of informed your approach in, in your work as a um, equine facilitated counselor? Yes, because I had I wasn't allowed near horses when I was a child. So yes, that that's what informed it in every way when I think back about it. So my dad was a farmer when he was younger and he farmed on horses and he had a horseback riding incident and injury mm. which turned out to be a horse um, reared at a snake when he was opening a gate oh. and he fell off the horse and hit his head and he ended up in a coma in hospital apparently and so then I was never allowed near horses yeah wow <laughs> In his opinion, I was never allowed to eat horses, but because I grew up in the country, I had friends with horses. So I would just go to my friend's house and I would ride their horses instead. And then he found out I was riding horses. And so he then, because we would just ride, we would ride in whatever we were wearing. It's back in the day. I'm a child of a boomer and we we didn't have a lot of the, um, the safety and everything that we had. So, mm. You know, sometimes we'd wear a helmet, sometimes we wouldn't. We'd go on the back in the swimmers and we'd ride down to the swimming channel and we'd go for a swim and we'd ride back. And um, then my dad found out I was riding and he put me in an arena at a friend's house and made me wear all the gear. So it changed a lot then um, and it kind of dampened my enthusiasm a little bit uh, because I couldn't have my own horse no matter how many times I asked. And so by the age of 16 or so, um I didn't have any more horses to ride and, and went away from that. I'd always wondered why and I would do trail rides wherever I could. If I went on a holiday, I'd find a trail ride and I always wondered why and I really came to realise that it's because I couldn't have my own horse because then I would have a horse full time and then I would have traditional methods stuck in my head. I would have all of that training ingrained in me. I'm very empathic. I would have taken it all on. And it would have taken me a very long time to undo it. So I sat, whilst I had that experience when I was younger, I then was away from horses and looked from afar. And even when I would do trail rides, I was like, I'm not sure I like how these horses are actually being treated. I'm not sure mm. I like this, these conditions. And so that kind of came through. And when I started therapy, it was, oh, I really don't have a concept of how it should be that's why I didn't have horses. So I didn't have anything to unwind and undo. I could walk in with fresh eyes and just go, I, I don't know which way I want to do it, but I know none of that is okay for me. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to look at a new way. Wow. So do you feel like that, um, that you're very much in touch with that rebellious little girl who just, 
knew how she had to have it and like intuitively knew how she wanted to connect with horses like how yes. you, how your whole journey has been like that yeah absolutely absolutely she's um she's served me well <laughs> i love that so when you first started um come along for the ride podcast what was kind of like what what initiated that for you what made you really inspired to start that and um, what was your vision then yeah so initially i had the idea for at least a year i listened to podcasts on podcasting for about a year and it was when my mum passed away that was the big moment mm -hmm. of you know she was only 70 years old she had dementia for 10 years and had falls and ended up dying of encephalitis and when she died i was like what am i waiting for you know what the, life can be gone like so fast you literally blink your eyes and someone can be gone so what have I got to lose yeah. it, it was a real um it really changes you when you lose someone close to you and gives you such a perspective on life and that you only get one and I even though you know these things you know them intellectually it really drops into your body and I literally just went I'm starting I have no idea what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I'm probably going to be really clunky and and that's okay i'm just gonna go for it and um you know i was told by people kind of close to me that i should have a brand first and then do the podcast and then when i spoke to other people they're like no podcast first um, because i really had a vision of a of a sustainable ethical brand the earth and the environment's really important to me and always has been and i didn't want to just head into a consumerism um, you know, get things made overseas, have it shipping all over the place. I was mm -hmm. like, I really want to start something that I know I can do from a sustainable perspective. So it all kind of came together in the right way, in the right times. And I was able to create Eden River Equestrian, which is the brand that goes along with the podcast now, which is sustainable, ethical and uh, natural horse products, along with information through the podcast and bringing a beautiful community together. How has it been interviewing so many horsemen and women on your podcast? The best thing ever. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody the other day and they said to me, because um, I said I do these interviews and they're like, you know, they go for it. She's like, some of them are like up to two hours. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you must be exhausted when you get off the podcast. I said, oh, no, it fills me up. Like it, it absolutely, completely and utterly fills me to the tip of my head. I get off, I take my headphones off and I, I have to do a bit of movement to, to feel this new wonderful thing in my body. It really does um, give so much to me. And that's what I found when I used to do equine therapy was even though I was there and I was helping the client so much, I was getting as much help as they were. Mm. As I was speaking what it is they need to do, I was like, this is exactly what I need to do. And they're paying me for this. This is extraordinary. And the podcast is um, very similar. If I've got an issue with my own horse, the next guest will come in and give me the peace that I need to move forward with my horse. Or if my friend's horses, or it, you know, I'm in a few groups with friends where we're chatting about things. And if they have an issue, I'm like, solved it. Here you go. Here's, here's the expert in that area. You know, I've got this new piece of advice. So it really um, gives back to me enormously. And when I began it, I really didn't know what I was doing. I don't have interview experience. I don't, um, maybe my years in counselling gave me the ability to, to hear and listen. Um, they say counselling is, you know, 90% listening. And that's all I did. I just jumped on and went, well, I'll see how I go. And you just get better at it over time, I guess, thankfully. <laughs> you have such a beautiful interview style. I've always really admired it and appreciated it. Um, you know, as, as horse people, I think a lot of us get into horses because we have a hard time with people sometimes and horses are so understanding without, you know, needing words. So sometimes when you listen to horse people trying to talk to each other, it can be a little clunky, but yours is always um, so smooth and you ask such amazing questions of the people you have on your podcast. So from our end, you look like super pro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I was always the person. So when I was, um, younger and I was on the you know the going out circuit and I would be at a bar or I would be at a nightclub and if I wasn't dancing I was not 
in a big group of people having a big conversation, I would have one person and I would find out everything about them. Um, and I, because I, I just can't bear in my body those those surface conversations. Mm. They just make me feel tight and um, and and not good. And uh, so when I can talk to somebody and actually get the depth of who they are, my body can rest. That's the real empath in me that goes. I can feel the tension. How do we release the tension? Kind of like the horses. Mm. Um, but you would be amazed to know as most people are, that I barely research my guests for the oh, podcast. I am amazed. A lot of people say to me, yeah, <laughs> when we spoke previously, you said, oh, you must do so much research. I was like, I'll, I'll save that one for later. Um, <laughs> only because I'm the kind of person who thinks if I know it, then everybody knows it. I don't have mm. the, uh, the ego to think, well, I know everything and I'm here to teach everyone. So if I've already had a long conversation with someone and I know a lot of things, I actually find it harder to interview them because it's like, well, I know that and I want to know. Mm. You know, the podcast is very much, um, the interviews are great because I want to know all of these things and it just so happens that I'm the same as my guests. I'm not coming in as anyone different. I am literally, I want to know the answers to these questions as much as you do. And so I, when I find a new guest, I look at their website or their socials enough to see if our values fit mm. and then I don't and then I stop looking and I look enough to go okay I can see the kind of questions and if there's certain things that I would like to know I can kind of pop them aside but I literally go in as fresh as I can so I can be in in the listener's shoes and uh, just ask the questions and genuinely ask them. I love that. <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely going to be adopting that style from now on. It's so it, it works so well for you. I'm really, yeah, blown away. It does away. make so yeah. much sense. And on that yeah. note, I have a question I'm dying to ask you, which is that um, having had so much of your own personal experience and then getting to have all these amazing conversations with horse people everywhere, have you found that there, for you, that there are any, like, sort of consistent lines or truths that have surfaced between all of these conversations um because horses you know have such an incredible way of capturing our heart and our passion but a lot of us have trouble really saying why it's sort of beyond words in so many ways and i wonder if you found some consistent truths in all these conversations about horses the consistent truth is that every a single person but one maybe one or two that I've interviewed all changed because of one horse mm. so I always pay homage to the one horse yeah. thank you to the one horse that wouldn't get on the trailer thank you to the one horse that refused every style of training that you gave it because that's what made you change you know even the big names like Warwick Schiller how does a man who's going so well change what is the force come from it was a Mustang that that made him that made him change. So that's been the common thread through it all. Mm. Everyone then had to listen to that horse. Mm. They had to go into a conversation with that horse by choice. They could have sent the horse to the doggers. They could have given up. They could have done a lot of things. But to their credit, um, they all turned on that moment. And the common theme is that every single one of them made a choice. Um, and that horse showed them that you're not in connection with me, you're not in relationship with me, you're not listening to me at all, you're just dominating me. And, uh, and they all made the choice to change. That's been the common theme. And they all chose to listen. That's so beautiful. Oh, I that love that. It's so <laughs> powerful. And so that's something that we say at Heart Horse too, it takes one horse to change your life. And I'm so like awesomely inspired that that is the common thread that you found and it's so exciting to know that there's all these other horses waiting out there to have these moments with other people that are gonna change where we're at now and propel us forward into the future and I'd love to hear about who that horse has been for you. Well I didn't because I don't come from a traditional training background it really began for me at that equine therapy place. And why did I do that? 
We're going back into the memory <laughs> banks now. Um, so it was, I do remember now. So I studied counselling when I was living down in Melbourne and then my life started to unravel and fall apart. So I had this counselling background. I tried counselling humans and it was like I was standing on a mat and it was unravelling around me. Everything fell apart. And so I had a dream, a literal dream, and it said, pack your bags and move to Queensland. Mm -hmm. And it was a friend from the Gold Coast in it. And um, we were looking at a, at a calendar in my dream and it was like, yep, in three weeks you'll be in Queensland. And so two weeks later, I moved to Queensland. Wow. And uh, I was very much able to back in that day, um, just lift up my life and move. And, and I really appreciate those times. And um, I live with my auntie up here and we were in a little bookshop and she said, because she was asking me about my childhood and what gave me felt the feeling of freedom. And I said it was my bicycle and horses. They mm. were the two because it was that feeling of just being able to have the independence to go somewhere faster than walking. And because uh, I lived in a little village that was kind of 26 kilometres out of the town. So it wasn't like I could just walk somewhere to get something. We had no shops or anything. We had to go a long way. And so we're in a little bookshop and she said, you said something about horses. There's a whole bunch of horse books over here. I'd like to buy you a book. And I looked and there's about six books there. And I didn't really know what I was doing other than empathically choosing a book. And I picked up a book called The Tao of Equus by mm. Linda Cohenov. And I read that book and it changed my life exponentially, set me on this path in every way um, because she talked about that relationship with horses, horses as therapy. And I was like, here's the piece of my puzzle that I've been missing. And so then I uh, Google was around then, but barely. And equine therapy was barely happening in Australia at that time. I found one person in Perth that was doing it. And then as happens in the universe, I happened across somebody who was actually doing coaching with horses just five minutes down the road. And so I turned up and said, I, I rang her and said, I just want to give myself to you and what you're doing. I just want to learn everything that you have to know. So I, I literally spent every day with her for a year and that first day I turned up and um, and she said, you know, just, just come down the back and, and see who it is you want to talk to. And, um, you know, he was this beautiful horse and uh, he was in a stall and all I did was saw him and burst into tears. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know why and I didn't know what was going on. And it was just there was the moment. He absolutely unfolded me in that moment and that was a herd of seven horses in the end that I and a rooster and a couple of goats <laughs> that I that I worked with every single day so you know whilst I could credit the one horse Sunny as being the opener you know every single one of those horses taught me something and um and they were what opened me up and once you have that moment it's like well there's no going back from here once your eyes are open you, you know that going backwards means that you're having to close your eyes again and I, I find it almost impossible to live that way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What an incredible path. And I love that that dream propelled you to just be five minutes away from exactly where you needed to be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you when you really tune in and follow your intuition like I did, from there when I knew it was Sunny, that same horse that told me it was time to leave. I was not ready to leave. And he came and he put his head in my chest, which is really unusual for him. And he just said, It's time for you to go. You need to you need to go to your next step now. And um yeah, I, I didn't expect that. More tears then. And I was like, but no. And he's like, "It's you need to go. And I was led to this place called um, Gwingana, which is a lifestyle retreat. It's like a place where you go for, um, you go for a, a program to this beautiful place and they have beautiful accommodation and they feed you organic food and then you have lots of therapies. And I was like, everywhere I turned, people were talking about this Gwingana. I was like, fine, I'll check out Gwingana. They had a work experience program. And I rang out and I'm looking, I'm like, there are no horses. What are you doing to me? <laughs> fine, I will follow this. And rang and said, you know, the work experience program. And we we're chatting about it. And she said, and part of your job will be looking after the horses. <laughs> and I was like, the what? <laughs> <laughs> 
And she said, I said, I've looked at your website. I'm a horse person. There are no horses on your website. And they said, no, they're not a part of the program. The general manager owns a horse and her friend's horse is here and they're on the property. I was like, now I understand. I'm going to be start equine therapy at Quingana. Wow. And that's what I basically did. I went and did my six weeks of um, uh, work experience and I made myself that I was, I'm, I'm not leaving and, uh, and I got a job in sales and I did them a big pitch about the work that I do and, you know, we can do this and you've got the horse and just build this. I did them a whole business plan on the cost of building it and the cost of sessions and how they could make their money back fast and they went, sure. Wow. And so I ended up being able to do that. What a great opportunity. I, I love that so much because it can be hard as a horse lover to find a way to sustain having horses as part of your career. So hearing stories like this is always so inspiring on how you, you know, found the little horse nook where you could <laughs> find it and kept it. And that's amazing. Yeah. And it was back when, like I said, barely anyone was doing equine therapy at all in, in Australia, you know, in that day, um, Egala was just starting to enter Australia just, mm. but to find it, you had to, you know, look really hard and there was only one person doing that at the time as well so it was um yeah we had a bit more freedom back then <laughs> that's really nice what was the experience like building up that program in that facility do you know it was one of my biggest lessons in life is to trust to just trust that you've got everything you need you've got what it takes just back yourself and, and go for it. And that was the prime example. And I will tell you something that not a lot of people know, and now they will. <laughs> I went into that program not ever having done a session with another human at all in equine therapy. And I backed myself 100%. I was like, because I'd asked the horse, Stevie, I was like, are you ready to be a therapy horse? I'd spent a lot of time with him just hanging out. And then I went to clients and I said, look, I might need a bit of extra time. I, I knew my counselling skills were there. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. But I went in and I went, okay, let's try this out and let's see what happens. And I, what I found was every time I tried to plan a session, every time I tried to figure out what I would do, it all went completely wrong. Every time I stood back, and I said the words surrender and release, may whatever happen be for the highest good of all and walk in, it went extraordinarily. So that's how I put the program together. Everyone's like, what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it's not, if I'm planning it, then it's not a teamwork between me and my horse. If I'm planning it and trying to put things in, I know people do plan and it works really well for them and it's very much a to each their own. Um, way to do things but my greatest lesson in life is surrender and release like the podcasts just that i say the same thing before i go in you know mm. i hand myself over whatever it needs to happen here i'm here to serve and uh, and that's how it's always worked for me so that's how the planning went <laughs> wow that is so cool and i love that you have that ritual of how of setting a mindset to begin um that you can really bring into all scenarios you work in and i also just want to say that i love that you start your podcast by acknowledging the indigenous peoples whose land that you and your horses are on and that's just so beautiful and rare in the world and hopefully becoming less so and just yeah, yeah that acknowledgement of um the land itself, which is another element that is such a real part of the relationship with the horse, and they are so in tune with the land, and it's such a um, invitation. When I hear that intro on your podcast, it's it feels like an invitation to me to go out and you know be reminded of how the earth is our friend, and that that's such an integral part of our experience as well. Yeah, and it's so tied to the Indigenous culture in Australia. The first Australians here, um, country is everything. When they are not on their country, they are not whole. They are not, um, they become very unwell and unbalanced when they're not connected to country. It is literally a part of their being. And um, because I love what they do so much and I'm so proud 
of this culture, but in Australia, it's we're slowly starting to acknowledge it a lot more. We've still got a long way to go in government and in, in many ways, but I was like, well, what's my piece? What, what can I do? And it was just such a simple thing. And after I interviewed um, uh, Dr. Tori Simone, who's an Aboriginal Indigenous woman, and she did a thesis on um, ad- Aboriginal stockwomen and the building of Australia through Aboriginal stockwomen. And um, I asked her, I said, you know, I really, I do need permission for this. I need you to tell me how to do it. And she said, these are the basic words, but you need to do it from the heart. And every single first Australian I have spoken to since then says the same thing. If it's not from the heart, the words don't matter. Mm. If you're not connected to country, the words don't matter. Who you are as a person matters more than the words you're saying. So connect to those and the words will come. Wow. And really echoing that lesson that seems to have come up so much for you about just surrendering and being real and in the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Being your authentic self and and connecting to the things that matter Mm -hmm. and then letting the rest figure itself out. We are going to take a very short break for a sponsored ad and then we'll be right back with Tracy. It's time for a very quick break because there's something really important that I'd like to tell you about. Another of our small business subscribers for this podcast is the Heart Horse Box. Heart Horse was created by friends Tista and Charlotte who found a beautiful spot to place themselves in the horse business world. They have created a safe online community environment outside the noisy world of social media where you can dive in and speak openly with heart-minded, conscious horse people of all disciplines and breeds. This membership includes live seminars and classes from equine experts from all areas of the equestrian world. They also have the beautiful Heart Horse Box subscription. I do love this one as it's centred around you. The conscious horse person receiving nourishing gifts for you as hard horse understand that you are already taking amazing care of your horse and they want to make sure you are doing the same for yourself. I am thrilled to let you know that if you go to hearthorsebox.com and use the code Eden River, you will receive a 25% discount on your first month of the Heart Horse Community Membership. That one is international. That's one for everyone in the world. You may also like to check out their Heart Horse podcast. It's another great free resource from the Heart Horse team. You may even find the episode where I was a guest on their podcast talking about my life with horses and how this podcast and the Conscious Horse Movement came about. The links are also in the show notes. Biting bugs are a pain for you and your horse. If you'd like some natural and ethically made relief for your horse, made by me, then head on over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and grab some of the natural horse spray. There are two blends. The Kiowa blend may assist in keeping insects off your horse. The Gypsy blend was formulated to assist in repelling insects and also supporting the healing of Queensland itch and other wounds on your horse. If you head on over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and use the code COMEALONGFORTHERIDE, all one word, lowercase, then you will receive 15% off your order. Get your horse some relief now. We're back with Tracy. We ended on such a lovely note before about being authentic to yourself. And Tracy, I wanted to ask you about um, how conscious horsemanship came a part of what you do and why you chose conscious as your um, your term of choice? Great question. That took a long time um, because at the beginning, I really didn't know what I was doing. And I don't say that to put myself down. I mean, surrender and release may whatever happen be and for the greatest good of all. And I was like, what is it that I am doing? So as I was doing it, I was figuring that out and allowing it to unfold and I really just was searching, how do, I, how do I find the word? What is it that I do? And I came to conscious because it best described everything. I was like, how do you bring land in? How do you bring how you're treating horses in? How do you bring the environment in? You know, and that deep connection to self. 
um, because if you haven't figured out that it's actually all about you and, and you are the power of change, then what's the point? And the one word that just kept coming up was, um, was conscious. And I was like, yes. You know, if you can be conscious of everything and um, without driving yourself a little crazy and, and overdoing it in your mind, if you like, right, is, the, is everything in line here? It's really just understanding your values and being conscious of the country, your body, the earth and the environment and asking yourself those simple questions and the horse, you know, conscious of all of those things around you. Are they being taken care of? Are you taking all of that into account? Are you conscious of everything you do has a ripple effect? Every moment, everything you're doing has that. And whether somebody's watching or not, you know, in your darkest moments when there's nobody around, are you conscious of all of those things? And if you are, then amazing, amazing things happen. I think it's such a great term when you started using it. I was so happy to hear that because I something I really appreciate and love about you choosing that is that it's also, um, it, as you said, it's all encompassing, right? So it encompasses every part, you know, the bad part and the good part. Because I feel like so often the horse world is um, really hyper, becomes hyper focused on one point or one perspective or one issue even and to be conscious is just to be aware of all of it and be able to like there's enough space in me in this community and the horse world as a whole to just hold space for the entire thing um so i really love that you chose that yeah i just got goosebumps yeah thank you it, it, it and that's another level you know of um of being very conscious as well that there is a, enough space for everyone there is enough space in conscious horsemanship for 20 different methods you know I, I do a lot of positive reinforcement because it's a wonderful um a wonderful tool um but it's not the be all and end all sorry clicker trainers I know you love it <laughs> um but it's not the only way and I recently interviewed a woman called Belinda Bolsonbrook um who is in very loose terms a dressage trainer and she was the one that brought me right back to my center um, where she said if you think it's about technique then you've lost the whole point mm -hmm. and I was like thank you I really <laughs> needed to be reminded of that because in the podcast you can tell the stories and then you can get into well I when I'm asking the horse the horse is looking this way and you can get right into the science of it as to why positive reinforcement's great and I recently interviewed Alexandra Kurland as well and she's like do you use positive reinforcement I'm like sometimes and in little ways but um, authentically um, due to my life experience I, I, I don't have one way I have I have from that moment where I first asked that horse Stevie do you want to be a therapy horse that's my way and I can't teach it or or put it down and and you know I'm so grateful to have been able to interview all these people because I get to a moment and somebody's you know little little piece drops in and goes remember this I'm like oh okay we'll try that now and you know this is the method for this one there's no one way at all and um and i'm very conscious of that um so whilst i support a lot i don't disregard anything and i certainly don't put down traditional horsemanship because um i think there's only one person i've ever interviewed or, or two that have not ever actually used it most of us have a story of yes we started that way and then we learned a different way so we're all here and we're all horse people and the great thing about horse people is that we all love horses. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, we come back to that all the time ourselves too, because it's so easy to get kind of caught up in whatever is um, popular or whatever feels the most true at that moment or whatever hard thing you're dealing with. But really, when it comes down to, we all just love horses so dang much. <laughs> and that's why we're all here. <laughs> Can you tell yeah. us about your horses? Oh, my horses. Yes, <laughs> I have two beautiful mares, um, Kiowa, who is an Australian stock horse. And she was rescued by a friend of mine, Kirsty Hagger, from Willowvale Spanish Mustangs many years ago. Kirsty turned up to the dogger sales with her mum. And Kirsty's very sensitive, um, like me. And she's like, here, it's 200 horses and they all know they're about to die. Mm -hmm. And um, she said to her mum, which one do I bring home? And her mum says, this one. And here's Kiowa standing as calm as anything with her head 
over her mum's shoulder Mm. and it's just literally she wasn't worried about anything she was like I'm just coming here to find my next human home and um, so Kirsty took Kiowa home and then and she was specifically bred for camp drafting so the girl can move and um, she's I've watched her do 360s she'll get when she gets in hooning stage and gets very excited I haven't ridden either of my horses yet I find a lot of I find a lot of pleasure in riding but my horses I was pregnant at the time when I got my horses then I had a baby anyone who's done that knows that oh my god it takes over your life and um, and then the girls had some body issues that I wanted to sort out before I even thought about it um, but I have watched Kiowa in hooning stages do the most amazing 360. She's such an agile girl. And then Kirsty decided to um, follow the hoof trail. So she decided that hooves, there was just no good confirmation horses with great hooves in Australia and she found the Spanish Mustang in America. And uh, she then imported them to Australia. Wow. She imported a stallion mare and started breeding program. And uh, so Kaya was put in to foal with Neosho, one of her stallions, and that brought along Gypsy. And, uh, yeah, Gypsy was born because she's called Gypsy because um, when Kaya was about to birth her, uh, there was a different stallion at at the house, at the property, and Kiowa knew that if it was a Spanish Mustang stallion, but he was from, whilst the Spanish Mustangs are from the, um, the they're a fighting horse in many ways, the um, Native American Indians used to take them into battle, and they, this one was a serious fighting horse, he, was, he would take you, he's a little guy, but he was quite fierce, and so Kiowa knew that if she dropped that foal there, that her foal would probably be taken by the stallion, because it was not the father, and so she took down a whole bunch of fences, and went off and wow. gave birth under a tree. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> and I remember Kirsty putting out a call on Facebook and saying, Kiowa's gone, I'm pretty sure she's foaling. <laughs> Anyone who's in the area, I was not in the area, it's an hour and a half away, but um, she's like, anyone who's in the area, please help us. So literally just as Gypsy was born, she had to get up and um, and walk home. So um, little Gypsy. Oh, wow. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realise that they were mother and daughter. That's so sweet that you have them together. Yeah, yeah, well, that was always the plan. And, um, well, I went and visited Kirsty, and as happens a lot of times in my life, I saw Gypsy. I thought, gee, she'd be a great horse for me and didn't think anything of it, just kept I was not in a position. I didn't really need a horse at the time, and I certainly wasn't looking. And then Kirsty rang me one day and said, look, I just really feel like Gypsy is yours, um, you know. I want you to really think about it and come and see her. And, of course, you know, I wasn't ever going to say no to that when somebody says to you, this horse is yours. I'm like, yes, of course it is. Of course it is. And um, so I went into a contract to buy Gypsy and then um, we were waiting for the natural, the self-weaning to happen. And um, so I didn't know the time frame as to when she would be with me. And then Kirsty rang me one day and said, look, I really would like to downsize my horses. Would you like to take Kiowa as well as a as a free lease and I said of course I would that would be amazing (laughs) and so that's how that all happened and the Spanish Mustang is a breed of horse that is is quite different to um to many other breeds it is the fighting horse and if you go in with dominance you will get a fight um so whilst you know that first horse in therapy showed me the way Gypsy has demanded it. Mm. Um, she refuses to do anything unless I'm completely in my power. Um, I remember when I first ever met the Spanish Mustangs with Kirsty. Um, I met Neosho, which is Gypsy's father, and I stepped in and in my empath body I was like, oh, you know, and I'd done a lot of therapy by then with the horses. And I was like, you know, horses guide you into being who you are and they they really help you get into your body and release the tension if you're willing to do that kind of work I was like but that horse demands it Mm. he was like you I know who I am I am amazing do you not know who I am and you will not step into my space unless you know who you are because I am so self-assured of who I am and that is the Spanish Mustang. Mm. There are horses that come along and guide you on the way and then there is one that demands it of you. So (laughs) I have literally been living 
for seven years trying to become the person that I need to be for my horse. I love that. Aren't we all? Yes. <laughs> Continuously. She has high expectations, this one, I tell you. Wow. And how do you go about that? Do you also show up every day and just surrender and see how it goes? Or do you have... Um, kind of plans in mind when you go and spend time with your horses? How do you approach that relationship? Yeah, so because the mother and daughter are so different. I could walk out to Kiowa now. I could ask anything of her and she'll go to scratch my neck and we're on. You know, <laughs> she would. She loves the interaction. She loves doing things. And Gypsy is uh, the opposite. She's like, well, why? why would I do that and who are you to be asking me to do that so when I go in whilst um you know there is a surrender and release for her it's more so am I grounded am I in my body do am I showing up today or is it a child self showing up like if it's a scared mm -hmm. child self showing up she will turn me into her toy and she will chase me around the paddock and have me inside crying before I could even <laughs> Mm -hmm. which he's done to people. There's a lot of people who are a little tentative of Gypsy. Um, and I always say, she's not a kid's horse. Don't, if you're not a horse person, just leave her alone. She's not that type of horse. You mm -hmm. have to be a very confident, self-assured horse person to be anywhere near her because she loves scared people. Uh -huh. it's, like a, it's like a chew toy for a dog. Uh -huh. She's like, yes, bring me those. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's got my dog sorted. She's got the dog terrified because um, <laughs> she the Spanish Mustang is also very well known for bonding to one human. So they're not a horse you can pass around. You know, you can't have them for five years and move them to a new owner. They really they take a year to bond, and then when they're bonded, that's it. Mm. And um, and it's a very deep bond. So again, you work in a different way. So I actually work with both of my horses in very different ways. If I take that um, grounded energy to Kiowa and lift my energy, she's gone. She She's so super sensitive. She's like, oh, my God. And if I was to ever pick up a whip to raise energy, she'd be like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Stop screaming at me, for God's sakes. Mm. Um, Gypsy is the opposite. I would need to bring a tool in to lift my energy, not hers, mm -hmm. but my energy. She needs that strength. And um, when I say bring it in, um, in like liberty work to raise energy and just to swing it myself to build my own energy and have a rope in my hand that I would swing to build my own energy, not actually towards or at the horse at all. It's really mm -hmm. a tool for me, not a tool for the horse at all wow. um, in doing those things. It's very much a how do I bring the energy to myself. Now I do that a little differently. I used to bring those tools in. Now I'm learning a lot more about myself mm. and I kept hearing, I read Untamed by Glennon Doyle and had the whole, yes, I remember now. And I've been searching more about, we keep saying we need to be more feminine, but what does that mean? Mm. And so I'm learning a lot now about the centre of power for women being in our pelvis. Mm. Um, so I don't listen to my gut and I don't listen to my heart. I actually take everything through my pelvis mm. and that's, how I how I connect with Gypsy now when I connect with that when I do movement myself and I was listening to something and uh, about tantric uh, a woman on tantra and the feminine and how to connect and she said something really amazing she said yoga is great but it's somebody else telling your body what to do mm. meditation is great but it's somebody else telling you what to do when do you allow your body to tell you what to do so I do a basic movement practice of my body chooses, you know, my pelvis chooses some music and we move. And that can look very different on different days. It can look quite disjointed and shaky or it can look flowy. And that's what I take to Gypsy because when I do that, I'm reconnecting to a seriously powerful, the power center of my body. And I take that to her and she's like, how you doing? Wow. <laughs> have a totally different conversation. She tests it. I'm like, whatever, bring yeah. it. And she's like, all right, now we can have a conversation. Oh my gosh, that is so inspiring to me. And I totally get that about that pelvis being the a center to be listened to and acknowledged. And in my understanding of um, 
the chakra system, that root chakra that is the pelvis area is really representative of um, like I am, like just your presence on earth and your, um, your validity in being on this earth and being a part of it. And what a beautiful lens to be communicating through. And I wanted to ask you um, on that topic, like how you, um, how you balance being authentic and in the moment, like when you are having a day where you're feeling like your inner child is coming up and you're feeling like you're having a hard time or maybe you're teary eyed, but you do want to show up in your, in your full power and in yourself. How do you authentically do that without feeling like you're just masking those emotions or pushing them away? Great question. One of the biggest things I've learned this year, and I interviewed Jane Roberts on the podcast from Equijane. She's bringing the feminine back to the horse world. And she said something to me off mic one day in one of our four-hour phone conversations. She said, Tracy, it's all about trauma. And I was like, oh, and let it go and moved on. And this year I've understood how much it's about trauma. Um, I went through a separation yes, last year and it's not amicable. And, uh, you know, the, the hardest part and best part is that I will guarantee you whatever trauma there is in my body is triggered by that ex-partner. Mm-hmm. Like what's going to happen next? Whatever trauma I've got left. And so I found a course where I was actually able to release that trauma from my body and um and i can do it daily i did it three or four times a day back in the beginning and i worked a lot on those things so i had that concentrated time 12 months of concentrated time now um to actually really get in and start releasing that trauma from my body because all that in child is it happens a moment in time when you're younger and something happened and and as sensitive little empaths that we are we don't generally speak up and we take it all inside and it locks in our body as a little bit of trauma and it sits in there as a frozen piece and so um I used to not deal with it very well, even with my counselling background, because it comes out and you don't know that you're not the one driving the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the great um, visualisation I was given as who's driving the bus? Is it the child at the front? Because if that's a two-year-old driving the bus, you're probably going to crash. So, you know, make sure you show up and, and understand who's driving the bus. Um, but this course that I did um, with Melanie Tonya Evans is it's a really quick process of just release the trauma, release the trauma. And if I'm in a situation where I can't take my 15 minutes to go and do the shift, then I literally put my hand on my body because I can feel it in my body now. Previously, there was so much of it that I didn't know which was at the forefront. Was it me? Was it in a child? What's going on here? It was just coming out of me. And so now I can recognize it because I've cleared so much of it. I can feel it in my body and I put my hand on that space and I say, my darling, I validate your feelings. I love you. We will get to that. Okay. I've got this. We're okay. That settles down and I can go forward as my adult self. So that's my little process that I do for now. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm super interested in that course. That's like something we all could use and such an incredible way of visualizing with the bus because definitely sometimes there's just a lot of toddlers on the road and you're just hoping for the best. And you'll be, yeah. And so that's when, you know, when I started doing that, I was like, oh my God, Jane Roberts was right. It really is all about the trauma. And, um, you know, nothing terrible has to happen to you when you're a child. For some people, there's a, there's big stories back there. And some, there's not many big stories, but there's just, we're so sensitive as children. And, you know, so much as a raised voice can do it to you. It can just lock that little bit inside of you. And um, and we really all need to be looking at how we release that from our body. We can talk about it till the cows come home, but if we're not releasing it from our body, it's still there. Yeah, yeah I love that in, you know, this conscious horsemanship, um, these people are concerned with putting the horse first and looking at their experience and validating their experience. You know, we often say, Um, you know, we don't get to judge what's traumatic for the horse, right? We don't get to say what's stressful for them or scary for them. And just because it it wasn't yesterday doesn't mean we can say like, well, you were fine with it yesterday, so you should be fine with it today, right? And 
I think the next step is like extending that to ourselves too and doing what you said of being like, you know, that it's okay that that exists there, you know, like it, it, you didn't have to go through the worst level of hell to actually have trauma or have, yeah, that stress that lives in your body, like in small ways it's there and you can validate it and then you can let it go. So, yeah. And I guarantee you, if you're not doing a movement practice every day that your body is guiding, then you've got tension. It, it's just that simple. And, um, and it's also the reason I love your um, business so much, the heart horse box, because you're focusing on the person, I was like, beautiful. That's a perfect piece of the market that needs to be captured now. And not just from a business perspective, but from a, that is the next level. It's like, okay, how much do we give to our horses, people? And how much are we giving to ourselves? How much kindness are we giving to ourselves? And it's such a beautiful thing that you've created. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we really believe so wholeheartedly in wanting the best future for our horses. And how can we do that if we're not our whole selves too? and show learning how to show up for ourselves first so yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's the journey the horse takes us on as well I think that's what that's what they want from us they're like well who are you and why should I basically you know many horses are probably saying it in a very gentle way um I just have a horse that says it in a very frank way it's to the (laughs) point and I love that about her (laughs) I love those horses too (laughs) Yes. Well, we know you have big dreams and a big vision for Eden River. So can you tell us a little bit about where you see things going for you in the future? Yeah. So the whole point of this was to change the world. <laughs> Just a small task. <laughs> um, I know. I know. I've, um, I've always had such a big vision and, and it's it's the vital blessing of my personality people are like I'd like to do this I'm like well let's just make it let's think about the world now and how we can take it to the world and um thankfully I have actually it it still astounds me today that I can make change in the world like it even though it's a dream and it's a little maybe that's the inner child going yes let's change the world but it's actually happening and that um astounds me every day and humbles me every day um, because the the thing that I really want to do with Eden River Equestrian is literally change the world for horses and make the world a better place for horses. And the one thing I want people to understand is what's in it for the horse? Mm. Or why would my horse want to do this with me? Does my horse want to be with me? And um, And that's what I want to get out in the podcast, very much so. Are we thinking about the earth and the environment? Um, I believe as horse owners, we we own land. Horses need a lot of land to be on. And if we can become custodians of that land and look at that land as something precious that we need to regenerate and make the world a better place for horses means making the soil a better place for horses. What extraordinary change we can make in the world as a community. And also being conscious about what it is that we're buying I when I started the brand there's still you know my grooming products I I still have a little bit of a a quirk in me because they come from Sweden it's the best I can do right now but that really sits at the back of my mind going okay we'll we'll continue with this for now but I really need to look into um, my next step will be looking into manufacturing products and also eventually when I do go worldwide with it, I want to create a brand of products, but then I would actually like to franchise them so that they're actually made within the community that they're sold. So each franchisee has to then go, well, how do I make these locally? How do I source them? You know, 95% of the ingredients in the bottle um, of sprays that I make, the natural horse spray, is made within you know, 50 kilometre radius of where I'm sitting now. And that's what's really important to me. And it's like, how do I replicate that? Mm. Um, And that's massive. So my goodness, how do we do that? But it's also um, how we do that is by creating community. And the community is just the most important part for me. And it's it's kind of a what's next. And that's why I was so... um, um, my heart swelled and my shoulders rested when you contacted me um, because I'm so grateful that there are other people who are forming community as well, that there's enough community out there now that I can focus on other things as well. And I would really like to um, 
take on the horse racing industry. Is that the right words, maybe? <laughs> I'd like to affect real change in the horse racing industry mm -hmm. over a period of time. I'm not silly enough to think that, um, that I can do it in a moment. I'm not... Um, I'm not in any way thinking that we can um, ban horse racing. I have major concerns for the tens of thousands of horses. If we ban horse racing, what happens to them? I don't have a yard big enough for them all. And the people who are wanting to ban it probably don't either. And so we have to go into this in a very pragmatic way. And I believe one of two things, that if we tick off one thing at a time and we make and affect that change, because there's enough groundswell action here in Australia now with the Nup to the Cup movement, um, around the Melbourne Cup that if I can educate those people and we can make an effect change in the horse racing industry, one or two things will happen is it will just become great for horses or it will slowly wind down and stop anyway. Mm. So once the, the changes are in there and the it, it will change the way things are done, then, you know, it will it will come to what it's meant to be in the end anyway. So um, so lots of big plans going forward. I was going to say, you're and not I, busy at all. <laughs> exactly. And I'm a single mother and I have a business and, and, and. But, um, and I have, I, have a, I have barely any idea how I'm going to do any of it. But I had no idea how I was going to get to this point. I had no idea how I was going to affect change in the horse world. And I still get emails of people now who've just found the podcast, you know, 90 episodes in and go, oh, my God, this is what I was doing. I listened to your podcast. I now do this. And I'm like, there's another one, oh, you know, there's wow. another one, that horse there. And one's enough, you know, to do all this Absolutely. and just to know one horse's life has changed. But I've got enough emails coming in now and, and people who are connected into the community who then put people in different areas and supporting the trainers that I support and having others support them more because of what I'm doing. It's like... We're doing it. We're really, really doing it. I love that. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you for bringing so much integrity and passion and creativity to your role in the horse world because it's so inspiring and you are doing so much good work. It like makes me want to tear up. I just like talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> your your vision is just so brilliant, and I know we both so wholeheartedly believe that that will come to pass and. Mm -hmm trust in your vision and you know you're riding a beautiful foundation of just love for the horse and wanting better for them and I can't think of what would be a better motivator for affecting change so I know that mm -hmm. that will be and we're right here Cheerleading. helping in any way we can <laughs> and that's the best part you know the best part is when new podcasts come out and new businesses start up and they're all in this way you know we're all in the community together filling our little pieces of it and there's plenty of room for all of us because my god there's so many horses out there that need this information and uh, so grateful that we're all piling in. So the more people that come on board and the more businesses and the more podcasts that happen, I get excited. There is no competition in this space. There is only joining together to create even more of a groundswell action. So I am so grateful that you've you've come on board into the movement and um, of your own means and your own <laughs> thoughts and that we've been able to find it. Oh, thank you. Well, how can people support you? Because that's what we all need to do now, besides just listening, is go out and support each other. How can people find you and support your podcast in Eden River? Great. Well, you can find me in all of that. Uh, one spot is EdenRiverEquestrian.com. And uh, that's where you'll find the podcast is there um, on the website. And you'll find the products there, only in Australia at the moment, um, because I just Again, the international shipping does my head in a little bit, um, my sustainable head in a little bit. So I, I opened it up and then I was like, no, it doesn't feel right. And then COVID happened. So it could take a year to get to you anyway. And um, EdenRiverEquestrian.com or you can look up any podcast app and it's called Come Along for the Ride podcast. And I am on, I am only on Facebook and Instagram at the moment well you are also on patreon and charlotte and i heart horse is a, a patron of the come along for the ride podcast and we highly recommend that other people do the same to support your work because it makes such a big difference and it's you know we all need to make an effort to support each other because it's hard and we see how hard you're working mm, thank you thank yeah. i forgot about that <laughs> 
Yes, I do have Patreon and that's patreon.com along for the ride podcast. And thank you so much. I'm so um, thrilled to be partnering with you. It just um, it gives me goosebumps and just <laughs> fills me right up to the top. And uh, the more our community grows, the better. But yes, Patreon is literally to support the podcast and, and bring more people on board to um, just keep it going, basically. You ladies know now it's a lot of work to get a podcast oh, yeah. <laughs> um, up and running. Every, and I just want to continue weekly. I, I would love to be able to do that and to do that takes support. So, yeah, mm. that would be wonderful. Yeah. It was so beautiful talking with you, Tracy. Thank you so much for being our guest. It's, yeah, yeah, we're so honoured to have you here and so excited for what the future holds for Eden River and for horses all over. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm on a mission to create a community of conscious horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses by bringing consciousness to the horse world, please do one of the following. You can go over to our Patreon page at patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash come along for the ride podcast and become a subscriber to the show. As Patreon members, you're helping this podcast become a weekly show once again. And remember, any funds that go over the cost of production will go into new and exciting projects that you as a subscriber will have a say in. You could also pop over to EdenRiverEquestrian.com and see our range of sustainable, ethical and organic gear for both horses and humans. Remember, 50% of profits go back to helping horses all over the world live a better life. Or you could leave us a review and tell the world why you love this podcast. You can do that through whichever app it is that you're listening now. The best place to do it is through iTunes. They give juice that gives other bits juice that boost the podcast up and basically that gets it into more people's ears so that we can make a real difference in the world. You could also share this podcast with a friend, tell everyone you know about it and guide them to an episode that you think they'd really enjoy. All the links you need can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.